Lori. She's not with me today. After two weeks of being with her 24-7. And she was planning this Hawaii trip for our 50th anniversary. I didn't realize the whole second half of last year when I'd come home from a trip because I travel 50 weeks a year I'd come home and boy one of my polo shirts didn't show up in the closet but, and then another one is missing and then we'll come to find out she'd been plotting and planning this for a long time and the teal dress that she was going to wear, she had my teal shirt scurried away in the other closet. And the pink dress and the rose-colored shirt and the dark blue outfit and the so we could be matching. <laughs> Thank God for women, but I mean... I don't even know how to spell matching. <laughs> and she had this all packed. I started putting stuff in my suitcase. You're not taking that. No, the Tuesday we're going to have pictures on the ship. That's dress-up day. Uh, no, no, no. you got to have the black and white tie. We're, I mean, I'm wearing black and white. You're not wearing a colored tie. <laughs> no. I got to do that for 14 days. I wear shirts twice. Randy, you can't wear that. We had a picture taken in that on Thursday. You can't wear that again. What if somebody takes a picture of us? They'll see that you had that. I mean, what will they think? Hey, who are they? Who are they? Why, why can't I wear the shirt I want to wear? So we had 17 total days where I was under supervision. <laughs> Yesterday, I flew here. I didn't, I didn't know how to act. I mean, I, I got out of the airplane, and I know where I, I, I have to go stand outside the women's bathroom for 15 minutes. <laughs> And she never came out. And the security guard told me what to do next, though. I want you to know. And so we had a wonderful, wonderful time, but I'm so giddy to be here with Brother Dave. He doesn't care what I do, and um, he's not making, although he did give me the tie. My suitcase didn't show up. So for the next four days, this is what you're going to get is the exact same <laughs> Unless they bring my suitcase, I don't know. But my wife says, see, I let you out from under my sight and your suitcase is lost. You didn't lose nothing when I was with you. <laughs> so we're happily married and I'm glad to be here. But I'm here on purpose. This morning in the Sunday School Hour, I talked about the Bible and we used a couple verses. Today, you really have to have your Bible in your lap because we're going to look at several passages of scripture. We're going to not beat the Methodist to the restaurant today. You're, you're going to be here for a little bit. Um, 
But one of the things, 1 John 3 and verse number 5 is going to be our text. 1 John 3 and verse number 5. One of the things that is a small thing, you know, um, you can say when you're dating, I love you, but you cross a line when you say, I do, when you get married. You love them before you got married, but now you love them in a, a, a dozen different ways. There is something about the Lord Jesus coming to this earth when you think about there being a sovereign, almighty, majestic God and him from the very foundation of the world having a master plan for this planet and for the next. When you think about him in the omnipotence of his power and the omniscience of what he knows, saying, I'm going to make a planet, and I'm going to fill it and fill it with animals and trees, and I'm going to replenish it or refill it with man. But Jesus Christ, being the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, a sovereign God said, I'm going to redeem man. He's going to sin. He's going to fail, but I'm going to reconcile him back to me through my son shedding his blood, paying for his sins, and getting man back in a right relationship with God Almighty. I've got a master plan, and I'm in charge, and I'm going to make it all work and come to pass. Once you think of that concept, that God is in charge, infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, there's kind of a security in that. He had me in mind all this time, and he loves me with an everlasting love and how wonderful it is. But it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference. Yes, it's true, Jesus Christ came into the world. Yes, it's true, Jesus Christ was born. But there is a word that the Bible uses much more than that, and that is the word manifest. He always existed. He's infinite and eternal. And when he came here, it was just manifest or made obvious or come to light for us. He always was. This was always the plan. It wasn't, oh, man sinned in the garden and God goes, oh, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, he screwed up. He totally messed up. Now what are we going to do? There's got to be a plan B. No, 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 no. When he made man and gave him volitional choice, he knew man was going to sin. He knew. I mean, we understand women do, but even men do. <laughs> right? I'm saying we all are sinners. I always think of a, 
I don't know why, but an Irish setter, an Irish setter puppy, when it's born, it is not born pointing. <laughs> but as soon as it does what comes natural to it, that Irish setter puppy starts pointing. And the same with us. We're born sinners. It's not sin that we're born. But boy, it doesn't take until you're one year old in the high chair and you slap that bowl of Cheerios onto the floor and uh, it starts there and we're off to the races. You spend the first year teaching them to walk and talk and the next 10 teaching them to shut up and sit still. (laughs) God knew what he was getting when he got us. And through salvation, forgiveness, and the sacrifice of Christ, he's reconciled us to God and we're accepted in the beloved. It's one of the most precious, wonderful truths. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. It's just so wonderful. But I want to look at the word manifest. Why did Jesus come into the earth? Why did he come? Here in our text in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 5, it says, And ye know that he was manifested, watch, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And I got to looking through the scriptures one day about why did Jesus come? In the big picture, there was a lot more going on than just a baby in swaddling clothes. There's a lot more going on. And so today, stand with me, please, (coughs) and turn in your Bibles over to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. And I want to just kind of do a little unveiling. Permit me today to, you can write these down, take notes, see the references. We're going to look at seven, eight, nine spots where it says, here's why Jesus was manifest. Here's what was going on. Here's what, but the word manifest, he was manifest. It's kind of like he's pulling back the curtain and letting you peek into what the plan of an eternal and majestic and all-wise God was doing. And he just manifests it to us. And so we're going to look at several passages, but I'd like you to read. You've already read your, your passage from Philippians. But I'd like you to read verses 25, 6, and 7 with me from Romans Chapter 16. This is just the start, and we'll be off to the races here. Together, Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith 
To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Bless our time in the scriptures, I pray. Lord, thank you for this good church. I don't know everybody's heart. If there's one among us that's not saved, I pray that they would see past all the problems, all the sin, all the shortcomings, any failure, any hypocrisy, anything, and see their way clear through to a wonderful, loving God and a forgiving Savior, Jesus Christ. For those of us who are saved, help us, Lord, to love you more, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Ken Sturtz from our church in Oshkosh, there are people that, that can exegete and parse and take a verse and take it apart and unpack it and show you every word and the implications and the meanings and how it relates to the other verses. And then there's a guy like Ken Sturtz who preaches all the time on what I call macro Christianity, the big picture, the big picture. Where do I find myself in the big portrait of what God Almighty is doing? How do I see me? How does this impact me? And this is kind of one of those. This is in the big picture. Let's, let's understand it is not all about you. It's, it's humiliating, it's humbling, it's kind of embarrassing because yes, you're the apple of God's eye and yes, you're the centerpiece of, hey, Christ came to redeem you, but first and foremost, it says he was manifest to show the power and the wisdom of God Almighty. Remember when Jesus in John 17 was in the garden and he's praying and he said, Father, I will that those that thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold the glory that I had with you before the world began. I want them to see the eternal Godhead. I want them to see the relationship with the Father and the Son. I want them to see all the glories of heaven. And Jesus prayed and he says, Father, those that you gave me, I want them to see the big picture. I want them to see what's really going on here. It's not just, yes, does he care? Does he care about the little things? Yes. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He cares about emotional distress and worries and frets and all of that. But you need to see it's not all about just whether or not. So I'm, I'm bitter at God. I'm bitter at God because he took my husband. He was 95 years old. He was on life support. He got COVID and he died and I'm mad at God. Um, um, I hate to tell you this, but that was the plan all along. He wasn't going to live to be 350. Right? The man's a day's life. Past the time of your sojourning in fear. Man goes to his long home. We're all here temporary. You know, well, you're going to shake your fist at God over. Look, you're not in charge of very much. You try commanding your neighbor's dog. You don't get to make him mind. He don't pay no attention to you. It's not all about you. It's all about God. It's about what he's doing. 
And shall not the God of all the earth do right? He's going to do right. And like I said, there's a security in that. He was manifest. This was kept secret through the world. Hey, <clears throat> the angels didn't get to enjoy it. The Old Testament didn't see it. But here at the end of the age, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Hey, it was a mystery. Nobody knew exactly how it would happen. But when Christ came, he fully revealed the Father. And that, that centerpiece of everything to us means everything. That Son of God coming to this earth is of infinite importance. Look with me. He didn't just come to make the mysterious work of God known, but look with me at 1 Timothy 3. We're going to look at several passages. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16 he was manifest to fulfill prophecy. Hey, God declared some things are going to happen. And now when Christ comes, it manifests. Oh, this is what that looks like. This is what that means. Verse 16, and without controversy, 1 Timothy 3, great is the mystery of godliness. <clears throat> God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. That was God. You say, well, you mean Jesus said, no man's seen God at, every, at any time, but he that's seen me has seen the Father. This is what the Father looks like. This is what he's like. He was preached on, received up in the glory. That was manifesting how God is. Uh, John chapter 6 and verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Hey, we heard there was a prophet coming, but Jesus just did these miracles. This has got to be him. Is not this the Christ, the Son of God? John 18 Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now, don't dismiss this. There's a big picture. God said, I am in charge and I will have my way. And Jesus comes and says, hey, I'm showing you. God is in charge. What he promised is going to happen. And you get to see it. It's manifest right here in front of you. Not only that, but look with me. Um, it says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. But the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. There's a lot more going on than just coming for you to be saved. From the very beginning, thou shalt bruise his heel, he shall bruise your head. The prophecy of Genesis chapter 3. Hey, Jesus comes triumphing over them in it, the Bible says in Colossians. He came to destroy the works 
of the devil. I hate the devil more every day. As I travel, I see how the devil is destroying lives and destroying people and destroying churches. And I just hate him every day, worse and worse and worse. I, I just, when I see the pastor who falls into the sin of molesting a little girl, when I see the devastation of God, uh, of, of the devil destroying a marriage and a wife cheating on her husband, when I see the arrogance of a gay pride parade and the filthiness, I say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Lord, I can't wait to say the liquor crowd take to the woods. I can't wait to see him break up the gay pride parade. I can't wait for all the corruption in government to be made manifest in light and God judging in righteousness by that man whom he's revealed. I, I, just, I just hate how the devil is having his way, playing ping pong with people's minds. And I mean, it's just incredible. I was a church in Georgia that I go to. The youth pastor gets to be the assistant pastor. Good church. 14 years, a wife, four kids. Now he's the missions pastor. He's working with Pastor King to reach missions around the world. We're seeing souls saved. And he walks in, says to the pastor, I'm resigning the staff. I'm quitting the church. I'm divorcing my wife. I'm homosexual. I'm leaving the kids. I've been gay since I was in the military, and I'm abandoning them, and we're running to another state, and I'm going to live with my lover. My wife isn't plumbed the right way for me. Now listen, listen. You think that didn't devastate that pastor, that church, that family? And helpless, helpless. You're not going to fix it. I'm not going to fix it. I can't wait to see the devil's works destroyed. I hate it. I'm not trying to criticize. I'm saying, look, uh, when Jesus came and he died on that cross, and the Bible says he triumphed when, when he died and rose again, he triumphed. Satan is a defeated foe. And we're seeing his last gasp before he's chained in outer darkness and cast into the lake of fire. And he's sputtering out now, but boy, I hate what I see. Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 18 of Acts 26, Acts 26, in verse number 18. To open their eyes... And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I can't wait to see that. Uh, then look at with me 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. He was manifest to show the power of God. He was manifest to fulfill prophecy. He was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And here in 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 11, be not thou therefore ashamed, this is Paul to Timothy the preacher boy, 
of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has, which was given us in Christ Jesus, watch, before the world began, but now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. He says, hey, hey, Jesus came to abolish death, to bring light and immortality to life. I just, all the time when I think of this, and I've told this story before, but when I was in my one-room schoolhouse, King's School, and it was the old days, public school, one-room schoolhouse, but we had first grade, second grade, the first eight grades. And we had a big refrigerator cardboard box. We did not have video, TikTok, cell phones. We didn't even have a movie projector. We had a refrigerator box. And then the teacher got a roll of white how many of you know what meatpacking paper is? This big, white, wide paper, right? And then she would get the tubes of cardboard from meat wrapping paper, and she would say, okay, now, here, we're going to tell the Christmas story. We're going to have a big play and have all your parents come for a Christmas program and Bob for apples and all of that. And, but we paint the big cardboard refrigerator box and we cut out a square and then we put the cardboard tube on this side on that side and she has each class with a piece of the big meat wrapping paper in first grade you do the you do the picture of the angel coming and talking to Mary and saying she's going to conceive and and second second grade you do the Here's Mary and Joseph on the donkey going to the inn. And then and each one of the classes got to do one of the scenes. And then when the eighth grade's done, of course, she takes all of them and she flips them over and tapes them together on the back and puts them on the cardboard roll. And so the first grade kids come up and sing and we roll their seat out in the cardboard. There's a spotlight on it. Hey, it's almost like having a movie. In the second grade, third grade, right? But I often thought, I often thought of how God, eternal God, doesn't dwell in time. And if you unroll that paper and lay it in front of you and stand on a chair and look down on it, you can see the beginning of the story and the middle of the story and the end of the story. And you can see it all at the same time, simultaneously. And God in heaven can see creation today as if it was happening today. God in heaven can see Jesus coming to this earth and being crucified as if it was happening right now. And God can see the great white throne judgment, the rapture, the tribulation, the lake of fire, the new heaven and the new earth. He can see it all 
right now. Right now. But you and I, we do dwell in time. It unfolds to us one day at a time. But none of it is a shock to God. None of it surprises him. I was in a church and I was so sick of COVID. Everybody, oh, do you have COVID? You're not the super spreader. Oh, do you, why do you, oh, man, COVID, everybody's going to die of COVID. And I'm in the church, and there's a woman sitting right over here by this pretty lady area, but she's staring at the floor, staring at the floor. Won't even lift up her head. I preach. She doesn't look up. She doesn't sing a song. She doesn't stand. She just sits. And I said to the pastor after church, what's with Mabel over there in the second row? And he says, oh, she's bitter at God. And I said, really? Somebody that age and she's bitter at God? Yep. She's been like that for the last six weeks. She hasn't sung a song. She doesn't pray. Nothing. She just comes and sits there and stares at the floor. Won't look at me. And I said, what's her problem? Well, her and her husband were married. She's 94. She was married 60 years and Henry died, and she's lonely, and she wants to go see him. And she's been praying to die, and praying to die, and praying to die. And last August, she came into my office, happy and jovial, Pastor, I got COVID. It's my ticket out. I'm going to die, and I'm going to go see Henry, and it's all over, and I'm done with his life, and I just want you to know. And then she didn't die. And she's been mad at God. And I'm going, how refreshing <laughs> compared to everybody else that was in constant fear. Here's a lady that goes, hey, why? Because the big picture was important to her. I want to do, I want to get done with this. When Mrs. Nelson, Pastor Nelson's wife, passed, I came to pray with her. She had pancreatic cancer. She knew she was passing the last day before she died, I said, hey, I want to pray for you. She said, well, don't pray that I live. <laughs> and I said, why is that? She says, I'm going to miss my kids and my grandkids. But she says, I got way more friends on the other side than I do on this one. I'm not, I'm just going home. This was all part of the plan. And I'm saying for Christians to see, look. This God's working out what he's doing. He's fulfilling prophecy. He's making manifest his plan to us. We get to see it un unwrapping right in front of us. And it's not something to fear or dread. It's to rest in, hey, God knows what he's doing here. And everything he said was going to happen is happening exactly the way he said it would. He's going to destroy the works of the devil. The more you see the devil's work, the more you learn to hate him. He's going to destroy. We have eternal life through grace. That's what he came to do. First Peter 1. First Peter 1, 18, 19, and 20, if you'll turn there. He was manifest that we might have hope and that we might have faith. He does care about us. Verse 18 of 1 Peter 1. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily 
was foreordained before the foundation of the world, watch, but was manifest in these last times, why? For you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, why? That your faith and hope might be in God. Hey, he came, look, it isn't all about you, but it is about you. You're not everything that's going on, but you are the apple of his eye and beloved. And he says, look this, see how this works. See how this is unfolding. See how this actually is coming to pass. And you need to have faith and hope in God. It's amazing to me when you see a Christian who loses their faith. I don't think they lose their salvation, but they despair of life. You know, the Bible has six incidences where people committed suicide. And when Jesus said, I go away, where I go, you can't come, his disciples, you read it, it says, they thought, will he kill himself? They thought Jesus was going to kill himself. No, it's possible when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, it says he brought down their heart with labor. The Bible talks about despairing even of life in the shipwreck. Yes, there's lots of things that can happen in life. What do they say? You know you're getting old when the best part of your day is over when the alarm clock goes off. There are people that dread the next day. In the morning, they pray for the night, and at night, they pray for the day. They don't like life. They don't like their circumstance. They don't like what they have to endure. And the Bible says, Christ came that you might have faith and you might have hope. You don't have to despair. This life is only temporary. The stuff you're enduring. My dad lost his right hand in a corn picker. He never got that back till he got to heaven. Then he got a new hand. Right? All things are going to be made right. Everything you're enduring here, enduring here, even if you live to be 105 years old, it's temporary. Your disease is temporary. You're, you say, what, what's the perfect glorified body going to look like? Hey, it's going to be a lot better than this. It's going to be a lot better than what you got now. Thank God we're going to have new glorified bodies. We have faith and hope. Uh, a couple more and we'll be done. First John chapter 1. We read a couple verses there. But First uh, John chapter 1. Look back there. In verse 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Watch. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Don't dismiss this. When everybody else abandons you, you can still have fellowship with the Father. 
When you're in the loneliest of times, you still have a heavenly father. When you're going through the most difficult of circumstances, hey, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. We talked about that in the song service. What a wonderful to think the constancy of the presence and the fellowship of a heavenly father. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, that church disappointed me. Tell you what, that pastor failed. Listen, listen. I know a pastor who in the last year, 74 years old, was babysitting his granddaughter from the time she was five until the time she was nine. Every Saturday, mom and dad both worked. Grandpa is the pastor, but he was at home Saturday mornings and he babysat his own granddaughter. And when she turned nine, mom and dad have a little sit down with her and say, look, we got to talk to you about appropriate touching and good and bad touching and how somebody can touch you here, but they can't touch you there. And she goes, well, grandpa touches me there every, every Saturday. He, he says that's what all good little girls do for their grandparents. I touch him, he touches me. Listen, the son calls the police on his pastor, father, grandfather of his children. The guy is arrested. Hey, a nine-year-old girl has no trouble telling exactly what was happening. Believable. The wife, 74, living in a house that was only half paid for. $300,000 house, $150,000 mortgage from jail. He sold the house, satisfied the mortgage, took the balance of the money and hired a lawyer to defend him and left his wife homeless and penniless. Yeah, yeah. Listen. I could, I could, you've never seen blood dripping out of Randy King's eyes. I could, I could punt him over the moon. How dare you? You're the worst dog I've ever met. Think about the girl. Think about the children. Think about the wife. I tell you, pastors live on the muddy end of the stream. Pastors see the worst and know the worst truth about everybody. I'm mighty glad that I have an example in front of me that never fails. Jesus Christ. He's never disappointed me one time. He's exactly who he claimed to be. And I love it. I love it. I'm so glad. I recommend you look at the Lord Jesus. Don't look at the Baptists, the Catholics, or the Buddhists. Look at Jesus Christ. This is a fulfillment of the promise of the Father. Our fellowship is with him. And then we read in our text, he was manifest to take away our sins First John, or excuse me, John 1.29, when Jesus came, John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Verse number 10 of Hebrews 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and every priest standeth daily, ministering often, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. There is something about the finished work of Calvary, and there's something about that I'm safe insecure in Jesus Christ and that my sins are taken away. Somebody, the eternal God in heaven knows the worst truth about Randy King. But the Bible says he put remove my sins as far as the east is from the west. It says he cast my sins in the depth of the sea. Pastor Nelson said he cast my sins in the depth of the sea and then he put up a no fishing sign. Don't dredge up your past. Don't spend, hey, look, what's done is done. You cannot change what's happened. But isn't it wonderful to know, hey, undeserving, still unworthy. I get to stand in his presence someday in the robe of righteousness that comes from him because he took away my sins. Don't spend time looking in the mirror. I always think of an ear of corn. I know it's just a farmer thing. But when that ear of corn grows, we take it out of the husk. I'm not interested in the husk. I didn't raise it for the husk. I throw that away. That's our outside, hey? <laughs> the Bible says our outward man perisheth, but the inward man's renewed day by day. I'll tell you, I, I just can't wait to get shed of this old flesh. My soul is saved, my spirit's redeemed, but the whole world groaneth and travaileth, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Can't wait to get a new body. And then if you look way, way, way down inside, there's that cob, that red cob, and it's tasteless and worthless. We're not interested in that. You sit there, if you, anybody that's honest, if you look at the, your, the truth about you, aren't you just appalled at how wicked you really are? How vile the thoughts that still come across your mind the memories that soil you. But we're not interested in the cob and we're not interested in the husk. We're interested in the kernel. That never dying soul. That part of you that God loves that's going to go to heaven. To me, one of the most precious things is to look back and say, God said he was going to do something. And boy, he started to work it out. And it's not just that he had his way in all the earth. He manifested it to me. He showed it to me. 
I'm going to destroy the works of the devil. I'm going to fulfill all the prophecies. I'm going to redeem you once and for all. You're going to have fellowship with me. And your sins are put away. That's why he was manifest. A lot bigger picture. But if you're here, I'd like heads bowed and eyes closed today. To know, make known the mysteries, to fulfill the prophecy, to destroy the works of the devil, that we could have fellowship with the Father, and we could know that our sins are put away from us. And I'm just trying to encourage you today, if you're a Christian, listen, rest, rest in knowing that God's working out his eternal plan. If you're here and you've never been saved, Boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot going on here, but more than anything, Christ loved you. Christ shed his blood and offered you forgiveness. Christ knows the worst truth about you and is still willing to forgive you. I wonder today who would say with the uplifted hand, Pastor King, I'm a Christian and I'm mighty glad that God's in charge of this. I sure would mess it up if I was in charge I'm glad for a sovereign God who's working out his plan. Will you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I'm mighty glad that God knows what he's doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you're here today and you say, Pastor King, I'm not absolutely positive I'm a Christian. I don't know that the moment I die that I'd pass to be with the Lord. I have fretted about that, worried about it. I'm concerned about that. But I know I need to get it settled before it's too late. At least pray for me that I get that settled once and for all. Would you slip your hand up while Christians are praying? I need to get that settled. I'm not sure, but I want to have that confidence. I want to know for sure. I see one hand is or another. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to get that settled. Thank you. You may put it down, is or another. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. We're mighty glad that you were manifest. Just, we get to see it brought to light. Right in our very time on earth, we get to see it. And Lord, you've been mighty good to all of us. For that one that's still not saved, I pray they'd get that settled. To talk to mom and dad, to the pastor, that they might get that settled before it's too late. But Lord, for the great host of Christians here, would you help them? You said in Hebrews 4, there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Would you help them to rest, rest in the finished work of Calvary's cross? Thank you that you came, you were manifest to take away our sins. That's most important for us today. But Lord, someday when we're in your very presence, we'll get to see you're more majestic, more powerful, more wise than we ever understood in this old world. We worship you in the beauty of holiness today. Amen. Pastor, I'm going to ask you.